Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Solutions Brewing Podcast. My name is Robert. I'm joined by Brendan and Stephen. And today we're going to talk about recipe development. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, why don't you go first? Why don't you talk about how you first started designing recipes? I'm assuming you didn't start um, designing your own recipes from scratch at the start. So maybe uh, talk about how you, that progression went. How did you start, Steve? Oh, just because it was my topic idea, you're throwing me into the deep end. Well, yeah. fine. <laughs> so I think I'm one of the prior episodes we were talking about kind of our origins and you know how me and Brennan went like kit extract and then into all grain and basically because like the internet is such a great resource you can find anything on the internet you know information suppliers anything the uh, person could desire basically I because I was new new to craft beer drinking like I had had, you know, craft some craft beers and all that, but I had no idea what I was actually like going for. What I did was try to basically find a comparable recipe for our extract kit for all grain. And because it had some specialty malts and then it had like just, a, you know, it was like two massive cans of extract or whatever. I'm like, oh, what was that extract made of? So I kind of reverse engineered a pale ale to start. Which, you know, I was very hesitant on my hops in the first time. So I, it tur- basically didn't turn out to like a pale ale. It turned out to be like a blonde ale or something like that by the time everything was said and done. But from there, it was basically any time I had a beer that like changed my perspective, I tried to like find out what it was and recreate it at home. It was basically my how my recipes went so the first time i had a a sizen uh that's when i tried to make that (laughs) that uh that beer with that uh temperature sensitive yeast because the beer store i was going to the vineyard was like yeah no if you want a sizen like a proper french sizen you got to use this yeast and you know that led to that whole adventure but i look up recipes online and then I think all of us use this program to some extent, but it is Brew Target. Uh, for those who are listening and don't know what that is, like generally most brewers have a, a big program. There's a whole bunch in the market and all that. But if you if you want something free, you can manipulate it as what you want. You can throw in your own ingredients and create your own lists and all that kind of stuff. Brew Target is a great way to start with your dipping your toes in. And if you want to move into something later, you can go ahead and buy it. Like, there's plenty of great programs out there. But Brew Target's a great starting point. And so what I'd do is I'd find out, like, you know, what's the color? And what's the IBUs? And what's the percentage? And all this kind of stuff. And I'd literally just sit there and type in, you know, malt ingredients until I got something close to what I was looking for. And so that's, like, how my initial recipe started. It's, like, just copying off the internet. Uh, And then later... Uh, for development of like some of the brews I will actually bring to, you know, bring to the, the brewery, you know, so the first one being the DIY, which is there's a commercial brew I really, really enjoyed, a local Calgary craft beer legend <laughs> that that was not a craft beer brewery, but now kind of by by default is. I basically went and they had some of the descriptors at their brewery about what the malts were. So I basically reverse engineered it and was like, yep, it took, you know, iterated it a couple times, but got pretty close to it. And then other times, um, oh yeah. So one of the, one of the ones that like broke my mind, this beer I had one time, Ponderosa Goza 
from Wild Rose Brewery. And the first time I... Yeah, that's such a good beer. And I was at this sketchy bar in Calgary called Dickens. Don't know if anyone's been in Dickens ever, but Dickens is an experience. I think I've been to this. That's the one that's in the basement, right? Yeah, it's in the basement. Uh, In the basement with the stage, runs games nights every week. That's not a sketch. Oh, no. That's like an upscale sketch bar. (laughs) Well, it it just feels, if you've never been there, it does feel weird because you walk in and normally when you walk in, you think you're going to walk in at like ground level, but no, you go straight down the stairs. Oh yeah. And it, it doesn't have the same warm, welcoming feel that a lot of new bars do, but it's, yeah, it's, but, it's homey. I would say yeah, it's got its own thing. It's pretty cool there. It's cause it's got all the, the band posters and stuff from, from all the uh, music. All the shows. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But they, they do a lot of alt shows there. So it's funny when you go to like the men's room or something like that, and you see all of these posters for like everything from Papa Roach to like the, the drag uh, contest they had last night and all that kind of stuff. There's a very eclectic mix of stuff that goes on there. But on Sundays, as you said, the board games day. So you can just like take anywhere and have a drink. But we showed up there. We're playing. I don't know what game it was. Might have been like the uh, the Game of Thrones board game or something like that. But they had this new beer on tap and I sipped it. And my my worldview on beers shifted because I'd never had a soured and a salted beer. And I basically just drank that for the rest of the day. I was like, I, I don't want to try anything else. I'm enamored with this beer. Sounds of it. I'm surprised you remember that, dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> his uh, his his board game play got uh, significantly worse as the day went on. <laughs> what board games? <laughs> <laughs> so then after that, like I'm like, what is Goza? What the heck is this sort of thing? And did my research and then basically came up with a very basic recipe and just started iterating off of that. So like that's usually what it what is. It's like something new hits my periphery and then I go, ooh, I want to do something with that. And then I just, again, using a very simple program, put stuff in there and kind of see what happens. Because then, you know, on brew day or uh, like for a Goza, for instance, um, this particular one I kettle, so I do the mash, get the wort, or it's not even wort yet, just get the uh, the liquor, and it's a kettle sour after that. So you get it, you kettle sour it for two days, it's actually technically supposed to be a pH drop it's supposed to hit, um, but then after that, finish the boil and add your hops and all that kind of stuff and other ingredients. But yeah, it's it's just iterating on that until I like the end product. And that's, and that's basically how it goes now. Like, you know, we've had all had a lot of beers since then, and Calgary's craft brew scene is very, very robust. There isn't, there hasn't been much that's really grabbed my attention since then. So it's for me now, it's ingredients. So like a new ingredient will come into the shop, or a, a ingredient will drop in price that used to be like this expensive specialty malt they imported from Germany or something like that. But now there's a local malt house that's making it. So it's like, oh, this ingredient's no, not three bucks a pound now. It's a dollar fifty or less a pound. Okay, no, I'll I'll take a risk now, and just in case it does screw up or something does go catastrophically wrong, you know, not out, you know, a chunk of money. It's a smaller, way smaller chunk of money. It's usually like that paradigm, though. I find something new, and it's like, ooh, I I, I got to iterate. I got to experiment. I got to find what's new, sort of thing. Clearly, we have to do some uh, brewery tours in another country that can open your mind and do a paradigm shift for you. 
Well, and then there was, uh, I was going to say another, because you just made me think of it, when we're down in uh, Arizona uh, before the pandemic, or just, you literally just as the pandemic hit, <laughs> but we were at that one little brewery and it had that uh, chili pepper beer. Oh, I'm yeah. I remember the name of the brewery now. I'd actually have to look it up. But they're putting ancho chili peppers into their in, as a secondary ingredient, and that's what made me put uh, peppers into uh, start putting peppers into my beer because I'm like, this is amazingly tasty. We gotta we gotta push the paradigm here. Huh. I don't remember that one. That was that was when we were in Scottsdale. Yeah, we were in Scottsdale, and we'd gone to the zoo, walked the entire length of the zoo, because there's not, all sports were canceled. And then, yeah, we went to that first craft brewery place that had, like, the pizza, like, the, the fire roasted pizza and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, had had a beer there, and it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was really funny, showing up there. And then all the, all yeah, the sports, are, uh... the, ho- the hockey and baseball, and was it football? No. <laughs> no, it's just hockey and baseball. We were doing two hockey games and some spring training baseball, and then right. everything was canceled the day we flew down there. <laughs> yeah, we and then we wanted it. to climb a mountain, and COVID found a way to cancel that too. Oh, that was unfortunate, though. That was because of all the rain. There. Someone got squished, but yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Just, yeah. just for the listeners, that person who got squished, uh, they're fine. They had broken legs, but uh, yeah, it was rainy in Arizona of all places. And yeah, they'd climbed the hill, a boulder came loose and uh, had hit them. So we'd walk up to the trailhead. There's a line of people waiting to go up and park rangers. And they basically said, yeah, not today, boys. And we said, you know what? Okay, this is a sign. Let's go drink beer. <laughs> yeah, it turned in from a sports trip into a beer walking tour, but that was all right. Still, it still worked out. <laughs> all right, to get slightly so, back in the topic here. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Brendan, uh, like right, the topic. <laughs> what is your recipe making process? <laughs> well, I, mine, mine's not as involved or as paradigm shift shift focused as Steve's is. There, I mean, we we came to this at the the same time and utilizing the same program. I, I use Brew Target just as much as Steve does. Uh, well, probably less actually, but. My my process is basically very simply I, I find a style of beer that I haven't made or that I want to try to make and do a bunch of internet research, read 10 or 15 recipes, and then try to develop something in Brew Target that is similar, um, kind of similar to cooking. You start out uh, adhering to the recipes you find fairly closely until you understand how how the mechanisms work and how you can shift one way or another and, and what you can play with. So. I actually opened up Brew Target here as uh, we were we were discussing it to kind of look back through the history and the ones that I made originally uh, I still have listed under the names of their uh, the the recipes that I took them from uh, online that just I was like oh I want to have an ESB and here's the recipe for an ESB uh, and then as you kind of progress from 2017 and 2018 those uh, fancy names disappear and I have just things called Brendan's. I called it the PIPA. It's the the PIPA IPA. <laughs> it's a great idea. And uh, some other stuff that I guess developed there. And then, of course, the the missing piece got developed in, in 2018 there originally. And, and that's what it is. It was, it was understanding those initial recipes to kind of get... I think I think there's three beers I have on here where they're straight from uh, online recipes. And then playing with the program and making sure I could hit the color with the, the grain bill that I have... I'm not as adventurous with uh, different hops and different ingredients as my uh, 
colleagues are here, but uh, I, I have a few favorite hops that I tend to just kind of use and stick with. I mean, Kent Golding's, Fuggles, Centennial, and Saz are kind of my go-tos, and then I'll rarely stray away from those. The one kind of more unique recipe that I've had is one that breaks my adherence to the uh, the Bavarian purity law there, uh, the hashtag PSA, and that, that one was a little bit more interesting, and I remember I wanted to make a spice ale for for the season, and I was already at the the point here where I was uh, consciously avoiding using recipes that other people had already developed. And I just read an article that was like, okay, this is how you make a spice ale, good winter spice ale, and it said start with a good brown ale. So I was like, okay, well, I kind of know how to make the color brown on the on Brew Target now, so I built one of those. And then I was like, well, it's got to be pumpkin spice, and I know how to make pumpkin pie, so I just kind of started adding. Um, adding the uh, spices and stuff until it felt like it was right. And it turned out okay the first time, and you, you adjust it a little bit more the second time, and then it just kept getting a little bit better and better from there. So the I, I guess I got kind of got lucky with the original base recipe that the the ale base for that one turned out quite good the first time, and it was just tweaking the spices afterwards. So so not as exciting, not as uh, paradigm shift focused, but I... I, I generally just try to say, okay, well, I haven't quite done this yet and start throwing stuff together, make it. If I like it, great. If I don't like it, then I'll drink it and try again. <laughs> yeah, it almost sounds like uh, we should have had Steve tell a story last. I think we climaxed a little early here. <laughs> it, happen- it happens to everybody, Rob. We don't have to be embarrassed about that. <laughs> well, it, I was going to say, it's interesting you mentioned like the kind of the preferred hops and all that kind of stuff. Cause I was just looking through like, you know, I have my locked recipes that, you know, I'm happy with the final product and all that. And I kind of use the same hops again and again. And it's usually like mostly old world hops, like Fuggles and traditional uh, Hallertau and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's an interesting point that we kind of find ingredients we like and we're like, we'll just keep on using them. <laughs> Her old standbys. And Fuggles is just a great name. I, I like that name. Was it was it you, Rob, or you, Steve, who has it is to do a Fuggles smash ale called Fug It? Oh, that was that was one of my ideas, yeah. <laughs> Fug It about it or something like that? Yeah, there was, there was a couple different names there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess mine is a little bit different. I mean, for me, it was uh, pretty similar to... Steven in, in terms of uh, starting off, uh, especially like, you know, when you're starting from kits or whatever, you don't really know anything about recipe development. You just, all you know is that you throw the wort in a bucket and sprinkle some yeast on it, you know, make sure it's 20 degrees or 18 degrees and it'll ferment out, right? Then you started reading and for, and for me, when I started to think about recipes, like I, I remember reading the, like the How to Brew by John Palmer. And then uh, there were other books, uh, part of that series, that there were the four, and they had they were all about the different ingredients, right? There was a yeast book, a water book, a malt book. Oh, yeah. And a hops book, right? Yeah, I think I've actually got up on my I, I still have your malt book. I actually referenced it the other week when I was making a beer. Yeah, for the love of yeah. blank. Like, I've got the hops one here. It's called... Uh, Brewing Element Series for Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan, yeah. oh God, that's a last name, Hieronymus? Hieronymus. Yeah. Hieronymus. Yeah, those, yeah, those books. And they're actually really well written. You can tell they're different, written by different people because they're, they're, um, each one has its own unique pacing. But um, like specifically when I was looking for certain flavors, especially from uh, like malts, and then you find out like technically all four ingredients um, influence it but there's you know you get you definitely get stronger aspects from the malt and the hops so I, me- I remember trying to figure out like what kind of hops i'm going to like because there's so many different kinds of hops right and they all have weird names so you never know what the hell any of them really are so you, you read this book and then you're like okay they're like if you really want to know what a hop is like they're like do smash brews 
And uh, for our listeners, whoever, uh, if you don't know what a smash brew is, that um, stands for single malt and single hop. It's just an acronym. Oh, I've got a time for a plug right here. Solutions Brewing Kiss Ale for Keep It Simple Silly is a smash ale. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, a fantastic beer that everybody should drink and buy as much as they can. Exactly. That was the perfect opportunity. Thanks for teaming up there, Rob. Yeah, you're welcome. Self-shameless promotion. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so, you know, if you wanted to learn more about hops, they're like, just do do the same recipe. So just do, like, a plain malt. We're talking, like, a, just a two-row, which has, like, almost not a lot of flavor, doesn't contribute a lot. And then you add your hops, and then you can actually taste what those like. Then you start to develop, you start to get some favorite hops. So, yeah, for me, it was kind of, like, more a lot of repetition and experimentation and, and reading, right? So the malt book, I was like, oh, I want something that tastes, uh, like, say, kind of like Guinness. But, uh, but Guinness is... A little bit different like i wanted something that had more of like a coffee flavor smell and taste to it right mm-hmm. and i was like well, i have no idea what what malts do that and that that book helped me a lot because it was like oh okay oats which will help give it more body wheat you know which helps give it like a head and some head retention uh, same with carapils and then you get like your um your roasted barley which gives it that really deep dark like coffee roast flavor and like some chocolate malts that help, you know, help give it that kind of chocolatey flavor. Yeah, that's actually yeah. the the, the inter- interesting thing you bring up is that like, because you can follow the recipe online from anywhere. Like they can give you, here's, you know, a clone of commercial brew if you really like something like from know, like New Belgium Brewing Company or like Sierra Nevada. Like you can get a clone recipe and it's like follow these steps and you'll make, you know, pretty close to it. And you go, okay, that's cool. But it's not until you look up into the actual ingredients themselves that you understand why they're being added. Because like carapils, for instance, I was doing a clone recipe of a British brown ale that always had it in there. And I never knew why until you lent me that book. And I started looking at it and I was like, oh, this gives, you know, it gives it uh, the body and like the the foam retention. That's what carapils does. I was like, oh. That makes sense. <laughs> it's just not adding stuff randomly for no reason. Yeah, and definitely for sure. Like when, like when we're all learning from grabbing recipes online, um, you know, you don't really, you don't really learn that part. You're just like, oh, I'm just, you're just doing what someone tells you to do, not necessarily understanding why they're adding certain malts or certain hops. Like I've even done that, like similar, like what I did with hops. I would, I picked a recipe like that and I even tried experimenting with different yeast. Yeast I had a really hard time with, um, not in terms of taking care of it, but like I couldn't tell flavor differences just from changing out yeast. So I kind of like, I kind of just stopped and now I just, I use the same yeast for everything. And I, there's probably going to be some more educated or more advanced people are going to be you're going to be like, what the fuck is wrong? <laughs> <laughs> he, under, he doesn't understand one of the four components. He's a savage. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I, I think well, yeast is just it's a very it's a very subtle influence on the final product of the beer. So you go through like the Heineken story where they tried a million different strains of yeast to find the one they want, but but Heineken. Like that style of beer doesn't have a lot else to to add to the other flavors that are coming in. Whereas speaking for myself, a lot of the beers that I make uh, at home have some other different grains and some other different stronger hop flavors that are kind of coming in that would mask any influence of the yeast. So it means I can just buy the cheaper yeast there, reuse the same one a few times. 
Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because, yeah, if you do like a very complex grain bill or if you have a really complex hop schedule, like you, yeah, like the subtle flavors of the yeast are just going to get crushed. Like you won't, like you, like maybe a, a like a, a certified judge might be able to tell, but your every man is going to be like, that tastes like beer to me. Yeah, I guess, it, I guess, it, yeah, it's more important on the, the simpler, more uh, efficient ales. Like I said, like I was trying to do smash brews with different yeast and I, I don't know, I guess I just don't have, maybe I don't have the palate for it yet, but um, it was, yeast was one of those things that's like, it makes alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't know how else to look at that. It, it's like, uh, it's the magical bonding agent that puts all the ingredients together. <laughs> it's an essential component. Very essential. <laughs> Actually, now speaking of the yeast thing, it reminds me of there's two local breweries in uh, in Calgary. I think we mentioned them on the last podcast too. Uh, Born Colorado and Cabin Brewing. So they've got actually a very good partnership, and what they'll do is they'll because uh, Alberta laws are silly, uh, <laughs> and that what well, I, I think you were you talked about this last time too, Rob. Is like as long as the malt bill is the same, uh, the hops and the yeast schedule can change, and what they do is they they'll have the same beer, so it's classified as the same beer to the government, but each one will do their own little twist on it, and that's when they get into the nuances with the yeast and with the hops, and they, they come up with, you know, similar but very different beers. That's actually interest, an interesting uh, point, is like, yeah, it's the subtlety for some ingredients to influence the final product. I mean, there it definitely, I'm, I'm sure, like, it's, all the reading I've ever done says it makes a difference, but I have a hard time doing it. The only time I've ever actually noticed a difference. This was with uh, Kavik yeast. It definitely that definitely tastes way different. Yeah, that, that, man, that's definitely a new like yeast I've only used once. I think. Yeah, I think it's only been once, and it was uh, basically I threw it into one of my existing recipes just to see the difference. And yeah, it, it did make a like flavor wise, you could tell there was it was different, but I don't think it was strong enough because it was uh it was with which one of my beers was it i'm looking at my list now in brew target it's probably my diy because i that's the one i make more most of all of them and that's a fairly heavy british brown so uh, i can't remember what i did but i tried one i didn't like it it's all oh, it tasted so bad <laughs> <laughs> i still drank the whole batch but it took a really long time yeah <laughs> i don't want to waste this but uh, I'm, I'm not going to let anyone else drink it. I'll just drink it on my own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not going to subject anyone else to it. Yeah, I definitely didn't make it again. So I think if I tried it again, I'd probably do a smaller batch. <laughs> just so I wouldn't feel so bad about if I had to dump it. All right, so real quick question for both of you. What is your probably your most commonly used base ingredient for your beers? Because like, uh, I'm looking at mine, and I think actually my most common a common ingredient is fuggles i think i i use fuggles like as an old world hop in a lot of my beers i've just been like looking through all my recipes and it's like fuggle shows up as a aroma hop a lot uh, you mean talking about like in terms of just frequency of use kind of frequency or kind of your go-to like if you're making a new brew like what do you throw in sort of thing i mean i have two row in almost everything Oh, that's the easy answer. Everything. I think that one's a, that one's that's a pass, awesome. though, I think. <laughs> we also discussed using the same yeast for everything. So. 
Zappa <laughs> 05, come on, guys. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I guess most common hop I use is um, uh, Warrior. Really? You use Warrior a lot. Huh. Yeah, I like to use it as a, uh, it's, it's a good bittering hop. I like to use that, and I also like Citra. A lot of breweries love Citra. <laughs> it, anything, anytime someone's like, it's a, uh, a hazy IPA, there's usually Citra in it. Or Simcoe or Mosaic or Azaka. But yeah. How about you, Brendan? Uh, so I, I do have a, a bunch of Fuggles, but I actually have a lot of Centennial as well. Um, and a lot of that comes from the fact that the missing piece uses, uh, oh, is this trade secret here? I don't know if I can, I can say it. Um, uses Centennial, but not a ton of it. So I end up with a bunch of Centennial left over that I have to use in follow-up brews. Yeah, the missing piece is very light on hops, but it is delicious. There we go, second plug. Uh, yeah, for sure. So it, it sounds like basically through this discussion that you guys uh, do a lot more uh, rigorous recipe building than I do. <laughs> I, I, I think it's because I, I, I don't have as many avenues to... Uh, dispose of the beer i make uh, on on my end here so i i'm limited in how often i can brew so i can't do these rigorous experiments as has yeah that i guess that's true because like because like for me at least uh before pandemic times i at least had enough people coming to my house frequently enough that's like try this beer let me know what you think sort of thing that i was able to iterate fairly often because like just again looking at my recipe list i've got like first second third fourth fifth version of recipes until i found like the one that i liked and people like sort of thing but yeah for you unfortunately you're you're a little bit farther away from people it's a little bit more of a journey so uh yeah they uh, <laughs> you, you can't iterate as often yeah uh, my yeah. basement's rented out so i still have feedback <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good benefit of having a brewer as a, a housemate is that you get the sample. <laughs> and fortunately, Rob, Rob's a very good brewer, so it's it, very good sampling. It, it, it also makes me less of an alcoholic because it means I'm not drinking all four kegs myself. <laughs> yeah no that's uh that's not that, that's a bad habit to get into don't drink all your beer yourself share share your beers <laughs> sharing is caring right so sharing is caring also don't get high on your own supply right as the, the, the old scar face yeah. joke now there's a movie i haven't seen in a long time oh i should see that again all right and that's recipe development everyone <laughs> <laughs> q end of episode yeah <laughs> yeah so Anyways, yeah, that's uh, so that's how we go about recipe building, and uh, I'm sure our stories are fairly common to everyone else, but maybe not. But, uh, uh, we definitely recommend, if you're wondering about how to get certain flavors, you can always message us at noproblems at solutionsbrewing.com, or hit us up on social media even, uh, at Solutions Brewing Co. If you have any questions, we're happy to answer. Uh, we also recommend, you know, reading, checking out that, um, what was the brewer's... The Brewing Elements series, and they've got four books, one for each of the fundamental elements, water, yeast, hops, and malt. And yeah, the one I have in front of me is For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops. Basically, if you can order it on like Chapters, Indigo, Amazon, anywhere that sells books. Yeah, they're, they're all over. And um, a good all-around book is also John Palmer's How to Brew. I think a lot of people have read that one. Uh, if you haven't, we we definitely recommend it. So yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll hope to hear hope to hear from you, or hope you come and listen to us again next time. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah.